Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of amrays and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of blockbuster video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom and pop video store killer, the corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now, aside from Alaska for some reason due to lack of fast internet and parody Twitter accounts. By the way, The Last Lonely Blockbuster is amazing and you should be following them. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars who are in the know arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Welcome back, everybody, to the Talkbuster podcast. This is episode two, and in this episode, I'll be talking to a really good friend of mine who was um, one of my managers at Blockbuster when I first started, and we talked about him in the last episode. Um, He's actually the really good or best friend of my wife, Sarah, who introduced us um, when he was working at Blockbuster, so... With that, hey, Paul, how's it going? Introduce yourself. It's going. I'm good. Um, not much to really introduce. I'm an ex-middle manager who is also a mid-middle manager who is now an ex-middle manager. So lots of experience there. <laughs> nice. Paul, um, you know, that's that's awesome. Could you tell us a bit about your history with Blockbuster? Oh, man. So I, it was my first job ever, and I had a friend, my friend Jeremy. He worked there. He said, listen... You need a job. This will be great. I was 19. Um, He got me an interview. I went and I was late because I couldn't find the place. So I went the wrong way. There's that circle in Salem by the by the T. And I went left when I should have gone straight. And, you know, that was a really fun, eventful circle. I've been in traffic accidents before there. So I got there and I was like, oh, well, you know, I had a little fib. This is terrible. But I told them, like, hey, I witnessed a car accident. I did, but not that week. And it was cool because we had Karen, who was really kind of very, very, very laid back, awesome person, very chill. She did the interview. Um, and I left. I listed Steve, Steve Brennan, as a reference. And he had no idea who the hell I was. Ironically, did you guys go to Fenwick together? We did. We sat at the same frigging um, lunch table. For four years, which was not supposed to happen at Bishop Fenwick because they said you wouldn't have the same lunch period, X, Y, Z. Well, I got the lunch period that was after lunch where there was no food, and so did Steve for three years straight. So Steve knew me, but he didn't know my last name, apparently. That's hilarious. Right? So I walked in there, and I'm like, hey, Steve. He's like, oh, my God, it's you. I'm like, what? So that was my intro to Blockbuster was... Who the hell are you? Oh, shit. So I was like, hey, Steve. So obviously I got his endorsement because we were friends for years. And Jeremy helped me out. He got me in there. And next thing I know, I'm working at a video store, you know, um, my first actual job. And it was a lot of fun. Um, we, I don't know. It, it was great because I was always a movie person. So, I mean, I like to watch movies. Everyone I knew did. The free rentals were great. You get five a week, sometimes more. Not the new releases. And you could show your friends. You'd have your own private viewing or whatever. And it was it was a great time. I mean, like, the pay was utterly horrendous. Yes, it was. It was terrible. Like, wage slavery. I was actually talking to one of my other clients recently because he works hospitality. And I was like, Dude, we were considered part of the entertainment industry. There's huge 
frigging sarcasm quotes with that. And I'm like, which means <laughs> no overtime sarcasm. ever, you know? And it was funny because when I went to go work for a movie theater later, same deal. No overtime ever. You are just, you are theirs. You are just, you, you have no rights. So 365 days a year, seven, seven days, days a, week. a week. It does not matter. And you will work all day, every day, all the time. And you will deal with anything and everything that comes at you. And you will deal with it with some modicum of uh, decorum, shall we say. No matter what they came up with, you always dealt with it the right way. The customer's always right until they left the building and were about 30 feet out. Like all Yes, you forgot jobs. your keys. Oh, my God. How about, hey, dude, you dropped your weed. Yeah, yeah. What? what geez. So, <laughs> before you get to that one, that was 1999 you started? Oh, man. Yeah, I started when I graduated. So it was my first year of college. I actually started working really late. So I didn't know things like you should be paid more. <laughs> you know? I didn't have any idea of like. It's kind of funny because years later I regretted it because I heard a phrase that burned me from the core inside, which was start low, stay low. And that's in my present business, but still, it was kind of one of those things that resonated because it was like, okay, I got this amazingly, like, it was my first time job, so it was like, I got eight bucks an hour or something, and then I worked to get my way up to a little bit more, and um, I was one of the youngest people to be promoted to being an assistant manager, aside from you, when you came along, because you blew yeah, that shit out of the water. By the time I came along, they didn't call it assistant store manager anymore. Remember, it was they called it shift key lackey. leader. Wasn't wasn't it key lackey? Yeah. No, it was shift leader. <laughs> yeah, it was shit leader. Key lackey, shit leader. So, um, I mean, it was it was definitely a very interesting enterprise because you know back then there was no real way to actually see a movie. You know, like Netflix was not a thing. It was never gonna be a thing. Remember that Netflix? Netflix won't ever hurt us. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, remember that? How about, um, because you came on when we had a DVD section. Do you remember that? But but, like but the DVD long, section rows. was only, like, one bay. It was one bay, and then it became four rows. And we're like, woo. And they're like, this will never stick on. This will never stick. And what got me about that was I was like, you have no concept of how technology moves. I mean, like, I my grandparents got a, their first VC. It wasn't a VCR. It didn't record. It was, like, a VCP. Right. Yeah. So by virtue of that, it was like a foot less in width and it played movies. You know, and when I was growing up, that's all we had because I would spend my summers in a really rural area of New Hampshire and um, they had one video store and it was like the place you went and you would watch videos and you had nothing else to do because they had three channels and one is guaranteed to not speak the same language you do. So I took in a lot of movies there <laughs> And it became this thing where, like, we'd always rent these videos for, like, four bucks or five bucks or whatever. And we would just, I, I, Willow was a huge one. Um, like, all the, all the classics that you grew up watching that gave you the feels, that's what I was raised on. You know, aside from a few other really horrendous ones that my grandparents decided to rent that I was like, why do we have to watch Steel, Steel Magnolias? And um, one that was really striking, which was this generation's um, 13 Reasons Why, it was called Night Mother. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, this is a one-set movie, and someone is going to commit suicide, and there is nothing you can do. And I was like, this is not something a 10-year-old should be watching, and I was 10. So, you know, but it was also like you had that that virtue of, of you could, I mean, it's your grandparents, right? So there's some wool over their eyes. So my friend Steve's like, let's watch... Um, Oh my god, what was it? It was a uh... Oh man, it was a gangster it was gangster, but it was like rapper gangster movie. It was huge. Uh back when I was growing up. And it Menace was, to it Society, was, Boys in the Hood. It it was Boys in the Hood. It was Boys there in the Hood. There you go. And like I watched that and I'm like, "Wow, I can't believe we got away with that." Like Stephen King's It, we had like a night. Oh, where yeah. we just spent 3 hours watching that. I still hate clowns. I will never go near a clown ever again. Thank you, Tim Curry. God damn it. So I grew up there, and then I ended up getting a job at this place, which we did movies. And it was really cool. I remember my first day walking in. I walked in through one side of the vestibule, because you always had the in and the out. And I saw this little tiny plastic display, and it was Tim's video reviews. 
Do you remember that? Yeah, was, yes, it was. Right? And it was it was Siskel and Eber worthy. It was like, don't rent this. It's shit. Or rent this. It's amazing. And here's a three-paragraph write-up. And it was articulate. It was brilliant. And I looked, and I'm like, he's going to do something. Like, he's going to be, like, that's the next Siskel and Ebert. And he kind of turned out to be in his own right. Um, Bob, your brother, however, he took the cake. And we all know this. So we'll just put that aside. But, like, the two of them, having that level of movie knowledge, I was like, oh. I was humbled. You know, I was just a movie viewer at that point. So I started there. I started working with Karen. And I started working with Stevie B, obviously, because Steve finally remembered my name. And Jeremy was there. (laughs) And we had a great time. And I remember, um, I think it was before you came, because I was a manager when you were hired, right? Right, yeah. I didn't didn't come in until... Mid to late 2000s. Right. You know that you were hired specifically because we're like, it's Bob's brother. We're like, check. <laughs> like, What's really we, funny is Scott, who I'm going to give crap when I interview him for this, didn't he thought I was a different guy that he interviewed. At one point, yeah. Um, I, but, you know, that was the way things worked. You have to understand it was a bunch of – it was really – those were simpler times, Chris. Simpler times. Much simpler. You know, you, you mentioned the um, Tim's movie reviews and everything. We we withstood. I mean, even by the time you were no longer there, we had worked there and saw the company move away from like when we started. They were still in like their we're moving up to the because right two thousand three two thousand four was the peak yeah for that yeah. whole industry right yeah. and then it crashed. Well, you so know, part of it was also their like I think what was it forty nine percent of their income came from late fees. Well, right, but 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 the thing is right is that company was huge, but they were working their way up, so they were still kind of built, even though they were a big corporate evil company. The stores were still being run by the kids that frequented the comic book shops and wanted to hang out in the local video store. It was, it was so the they kids kinda, who knew, yeah, about they, movies. They let us have, um, they let us make it our own, and we way, saw yeah. that start to be taken away. But, I mean, if you, know you think about I mean? it, though, I mean, philosophically, right, um, or just logically, I think that was that something that is a product of good management or was that something that is a product of the actual corporate culture? Because oh, it was a good management. That, that's that's, you know, I mean, that's I kind of the, the whole culture point. The corporate culture kind of just point. like looked away from that and allowed it, it to did. happen because they did actually – they did once upon a time value their employees. And I think they, they actually – I have to tell you, man, in my – I've had – let's see – there's Blockbuster, there was a movie theater I worked at, and then there's the billion-dollar corporate conglomerate that I work at and in the banking and finance industry. And I actually got some of the best training I ever had for managing people from the video store, man. Like, right. I still go back, even as uh, a manager at my job, a branch manager, I actually went back to the HR training that we received at Blockbuster, which is just absolutely mind-numbing. Because, uh, I mean, not to knock the current place, I'm not going to, but their HR training was very light in concern to, you know, employee interactions, harassment, how people feel, how you should deal with things. Right. I got three hours of training, maybe six, as a manager at my present job, whereas, and in charge of lots of money and more employees, as opposed to the day-long, you know, seminars that we went to as basic employees at blockbuster it was the craziest thing and they kind of they invest they invested a lot they really did i mean they really did you can't knock it i mean because they understood at least one thing which was your employees are the face of your business and they are the ones that interact with your customers and they're what drives it they understood organic growth in a really interesting way unlike the other places i have worked they just kind of like When, That's when a I really for, good point. Yeah, when I worked for a big box store for years, like, oh, organic growth, it became a thing, and I'm like, it's it's always been there, you idiots. You know, what I mean, they were teaching <laughs> they were teaching business acumen 101 to their employees, and it was surprising because I'm like, you don't already know this. You know, it's it was it was very very maybe it's elitist of me, maybe it's a very hipster of me, but it was Could be. very. It was very surprising to sit there and go, you don't understand that this is how it works. Like, you do something awesome for someone, and they tell someone else. And that person tells another person. And as long as you provide them with the service that's quality, they will come back, and they will always reward you. And I think what's really cool is the relationships that we had with some of our customers. I mean, I still remember them. I remember faces. I remember them when I went to other jobs in the area. It was 
one of the coolest things I ever had. When I was like, hey, it's that guy who only ever rents softcore romantic movies, air quotes. The Red Shoe Diaries. Right? Oh, my God. All of them. How was that even a thing? And then we would, would, and then sometimes they would they would get returned in like the Little Mermaid. Well, we should it's we should definitely creepy. have a conversation about the faux pas on videos that got accidentally returned later on because those are the best. It's on my list. Oh my god, it's great. Um, and we definitely need to talk about why every single child's video smells like um, uh, maple maple syrup. syrup. Maple syrup. The whole section. <laughs> like Fun Spot, you ever? We, you and I have been to Fun Spot. We went there on your bachelor party. Bachelor party, right? that's right. But there is that distinct smell of maple syrup. It's in it's certain old, areas. Crusty maple syrup. It, I think that children roll in maple syrup before they go anywhere. I think that's. I don't have kids. You do. I don't know. But maybe at some I, point you will notice they will subversively roll through maple syrup before they handle thing anything. Thing is, is Ava doesn't is even rent. eat maple syrup. I think they secrete it. I don't know, man. It's really the weirdest thing because I remember the children's section. Every time you walked in, you're like, "Uh, it smells like maple syrup and a bit of pee." And <laughs> always a bit of pee. Right, but that might have been of the pee. employees. Just a just a scant bit of pee, but um. That this was awesome. always a fun time. And it was always like you would sentence someone as a manager to clean the children's area, especially after the manager X had their child there. Oh my god. And do you do you remember when um do you remember when uh Scott who I'll I'll talk about this more with him used to have so much fun we with even her be kid? Using his name in context yeah. for this? Oh yeah, he's he'll he'll mention it, but uh, I'm not I'm gonna sure say he, will. he he had so much fun torturing that lady's kid. No, no, I don't think it wasn't torture, though. It was not torture. It was being presented with a child who is clearly more intelligent than their parent. Yes. And subversively planting the seeds. Yes, yes. You know, like, your mom's a bitch. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of looked and I went, dude, that's horrible. But keep doing that. Oh, it was so bad. But it was genius all oh, at the same time. Man, it was brilliant. Do you remember the time? And this is the worst. And I really, you should not have used my name in this, but um, because I worked oh come on, Paul. service industry. But um, do you remember? I don't know if you were there. There was a customer, customer B or X or B for bitch works, and um, they demanded to speak to our manager, which was Scott. And it was oh, the yes. time when we a knew this person was lying to us every single time they came in. Legitimately, we watched them come in and throw. Remember the shoot? Like they throw their videos in the shoot, and then we were like, yep. "Oh, let's check those in now because they're clearly late." And so we would check them, and they'd have a twelve dollar ninety five cent late fee, which was like, you know, ridiculous. What is that? Like two thousand dollars in today's money? And um, yeah, that was converted that to was pounds. What? It's a house. So, so it was three. It was three dollars and nineteen cents like for a, a two day rental when I started. Yeah, uh, it went up to four. <laughs> Didn't it go up to four or five? It was four fifty. Like when I left, it was ridiculous. Yeah. So so they slide that shit in, and we're immediately like, "Well, we know you never ever ever return movies on time." So one of us goes and scans the thing in, and of course it pops up. So they go, they do their shopping, they come back, and they they go, "I'd like to get these videos." And we're like, "All right." So she's standing there with her daughter, who is an honest human being not like her and she turns around and she says hey i'm like hey you're gonna rent these yeah well you got twelve dollars and 97 cents worth of late charges which you'll have to pay before you actually get these three videos and she's like well i'm like oh here we go in the meantime scott is in plain clothes i am in my regalia you know the little little name tag and the blue shirt and he is doing an inventory on i believe soda and he's checking off stuff next to me and she's like I don't have late charges. I'm like, yes, yes, you do. And she's like, no, I don't. I brought those back on time. And her daughter turns around, looks right at her and says, mom, those were on the coffee table. We just dropped them off. And she apparently <laughs> then engages in a session of domestic abuse on her daughter by punching her in the stomach to shut her up. At this I remember point, this family. Yeah. Oh my I, have, God. I have no forgiveness at this point. So I'm just like, all right, you just went down a notch. And she's like, I know what you people do and you're you've got 15 year olds working for you here and they take my videos off the wall and they t- they steal them they take them home and then they bring them back and then we get i'm like madam i watched you 
return those, number one. Number two, we only have one 15-year-old in the office. He happens to be a very close friend of mine, and we get free movie rentals, five a week. Why would he do that? He's like, I want to speak to your manager. I said, all right. And then I just kind of shuffled in place in a circle and pointed (laughs) to my name tag, which clearly said manager. And she's like, well, who do you answer to? And I said, God. And she went, who? And I said, Scott. And Scott just kind of looked at me and paused. And I looked and said, yeah, Scott. And she's like, well. And Scott's like, no. Actually, let me like, no. And that's what Scott had said. <laughs> and think she only got one video that day. And we kind of had a little battle that we won that day. But um, it, was, it was amazing the lengths that people would go to to shirk all personal responsibility Yes, and again, there there were some stores within the the web of this area of stores, <coughs> Lynn, <coughs> that didn't check movies in on time. Oh no! Um, but oh, no. and but they kept we, the ones but, from other stores because they were yes. a franchise. So they would like no, they weren't. They weren't shirts. a franchise. It's just this is the stupid way. This is no, no. Lynn, Lynn was a corporate. Um, Beverly was the franchise. But this was the crappy way that this store worked. Right? You couldn't return a video to another store. And have the other store know that it made it to that other store without calling and oh, having yeah. them physically check it in over the phone by typing in the numbers two two five zero three two. And then you pray to God. Sorry, three three two five zero three three two five three three two five zero three two one eight eight five nine. That was my that, employee serial number. I almost had it tattooed on my wrist. I was two zero four zero six. Scott was two zero zero two zero. Steve someone was one eight three five nine. Someone had a pal- Michelle had a palindrome, and it was very easy. Yes, to remember. she did. She did. In Woburn, she was like 2773. Well, I remember when I was sent up to, uh, it was just by the crest of New Hampshire. And it was the, I forget the name of the manager. She was a, she was a lot of fun. She was like an HR person for a while, and then she went and opened her own store. And I remember having to log myself in and assign myself a manager ID. Yes. And she had to pause, because she's like, it's one. I'm like, okay, and? She's like, no, 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 it's one. I'm like, oh. And, of course, her password was like the, it's like 8520. It was just drag your finger down the keyboard. Right. And you're good. And um, I logged myself in. I became, you know, whatever I needed to be, the babysitter of the time, you know, in that area. It was a different store, though. It was, it was a Gen 3, so it was not as big as ours. But all the racks were wired, so you didn't have to really, like, dust. Yeah, it was like Middleton. Right? Yeah. They had um, color um, cameras for security. And they had a drop safe, which was the world's most annoying thing in the world. Because you're taking care of a customer, furiously trying to handle a line, and you got this safe that you need to get ones out of going, beep. Yep. Beep. And then you're like, oh, and if you don't get to it in time, it just locks for six hours. Yeah, they eventually installed one of those in Salem, but that was oh, way later. Man, you know, I I yeah. was I wasn't bald then. I would have been bald afterwards. Yeah, and we had so. to count all the tills out in the manager's pit, like in front of the customers. It was really weird. That is really weird, but it, it I mean, got it makes, really weird. It makes sense because you want to be. I mean, if you look at the level of types of theft that there were there, not necessarily from the employees, mind you, but the things that did happen behind closed doors, especially with us. As we know, um, it, it it makes sense to count it out in front of everybody. It does. Yes. You know, um, those were fun times. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, what else did you want to talk about? Oh, I mean, geez, that was that was gold up to, up to that point, man. Um, so, I mean, you, that that's your history with the company. We kind of blended into when I first started working there, but you know the. I as as you said, my brother, who's movie Bob, who I I do the Chipman Brothers Tangent podcast with, was working at the store. But by the time I started working, he was already at Suncoast. Yeah, so he had left Blockbuster and was working at Suncoast. But he and he was a bit was of a very, legend too. Yeah, he was very very well known. And um, I started hanging out at the store because I knew all you guys through him. And then I eventually applied and got the job. And I remember the first time meeting you was before I even worked there, and you had red hair. Yes, I did have hair then, and it was shoulder length and uh, purple. 
purple. Show the length. Show length purple. Yeah, sorry. Yep. It was like a. It's okay. A, yeah. It was Malaysian Sh- cherry. Purple hair and rainbow suspenders. Yep. Yeah. I, I remember because I, I got a lot of closing shifts. I closed on Fridays and yes. opened on Saturdays. Yes. Scott. You closed, and uh, the legality of you closing was an interesting. Uh... Yeah, I talked about that on the last uh, on the last one. You know, thank God was... they're no longer employed. They're no longer right? real because that is such a huge issue. Well, what happened is I would I would work and clock out, and then um, <laughs> and then would get paid in cash for the rest of the shift. Well. Unless I was on, and um, you're probably going to have to remove my last name from this video because... No. Um, no, seriously, you might have to because I used to rearrange your time card. That I was under yeah. direct uh, direct notification to because we closed Sundays. Saturday to Sunday was the day we did our daily, our weekly reports, and so the time clocks went through. So not only did I have to adjust your time clock to make sure you got paid... Um, I remember that. We did that for a lot of people. A lot of them because that way it was perfectly legal. And then we had that signed letter from your mom that said, you can work late. And they still were like, bullshit, he can't. Yep. Um, because apparently child slavery. Go figure. Um, but that was only for six months. By the time I was 17, everything was fine. But you did, And you volunteered for these things and we accommodated. But, you know, like the, the time clock thing was a lot of fun because I would go through and be like, hey, funny, this guy wasn't here that day. Which I guess would we call him Manager Z? Yes, Manager Z. Manager Z. Yeah, that was that was a fun one. He'd come in to rent a movie and then clock in. Yep. And then come in later on t- that night and then clock out. And yep. Not knowing that I was the guy who reviewed the time clocks, I'd be like, Oh no 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 no! <laughs> I have to fix but, it. But but we were the group of employees that they felt they needed to break up eventually. Because our numbers were too good. Of course, because we had a really good... That's the thing that's really funny. I mean, corporate culture... I, I This is something I learned. I learned a couple things there. Being, you know, in terms of managing or people manager, you, you have to make people... Um, no, I, I can't say you make them. You give them the opportunity to work to their strengths, right? So yes. you, you carve out a space where they can do their best and they're going to enjoy their job, right? Because you have to enjoy what you're doing to get your work to be the fullest. And so they got that on one end. They didn't get it on another end. And they refused to believe it when they actually saw really proof positive results of this group of people who are just 100%. Like, you got to admit, right, with Scott, he did an ingenious thing. He showed up at the store a week before he became the store manager to see how we worked and to see what we did. And it was invasive because he made some snap judgments. Not that there are snap judgments, but he made judgments. And he improved those features. And just by focusing on things like greeting the customer, being available, having the appropriate amount of coverage, making sure everything was running on the floor – he turned that place around. I mean, when I left, I looked at him and I said, you're going to make this a million dollar store. And yeah, exactly. And he, did. he did. And I knew it. I mean, I knew it. And I was part of that team. Sadly, I left for various reasons, but I mean, they also had a corporate culture change. So just as I think they were sold off to that Danish company, right? That was a little while later, but yeah, they, they were still under the Paramount Viacom Sumner Redstone that guy black flag at the moment in time Um, yeah the black spot so they um they changed the corporate culture in a very interesting way especially within the individual stores they got rid of the concept of a part-time manager and they made them into a key holder so if you were a student and you're going to college and you can only work certain hours like me i worked fridays through sunday nights the the busiest hours but still you know, I wasn't there enough with enough availability to maintain my full-time status. I was dropped down to, in a, in a sense, part-time. I don't know if I was ever really full-time there. But they changed that, and then they changed the authorities. So it was a very odd situation because I, I, ha- I was in this transitional place where my authorities were being steadily removed from me by corporate, even though I had performed to those degrees or above those degrees – you know, in my day-to-day basis. Exactly. And I remember, I remember it, Scott it was, it was bullshit. Them. Scott tried to, whether or not it's bullshit, it's still corporate bullshit, and I'm used to that by now. But Scott tried to fight them, and he did kind of make a difference. You know, that, that I, he sat there and said, no, he's going to keep his keys. No, he's going to do this. No, he's going to do that. Because he knew what I was capable of, and he believed in me. And that just goes to show you, like, 
in that culture we had in that store, we were 100% united. We knew what each other were capable of, and we did our best to kind of work together to get the best results. And he made it a point to even go up to the corporate level and say, screw you, this is how we're going to do it. This is how it exactly. needs to be done. And that's, that's a sign of the kind of leader that for years, and you know, I aspire to, I hope to have achieved, but I also aspire to. I always hold that to a higher degree because I saw what he was willing to do for his staff, and that just shows you that he valued his people. And I, that's yeah. a huge thing. I mean, you have to value people for what they're capable of. You have to give them the opportunity to succeed. You have to make sure that they have the tools to do so, and you have to follow up. And I think that that was something that Scott always did very, very well, very naturally. So you have to appreciate that because he was one of the best leaders I've ever had the fortune of working with in my life. I agree. You know, I mean, just like you, you're one of the best employees. I watched you like reconcile a draw mentally and i'm like dude why are you here <laughs> like, i'm gonna be an engineer and i'm like that makes sense because this is crazy i mean it, it was a it was a very interesting um interesting time i mean because also you know we had had a couple of people that factored into the mix they got voted on the island that um had some nefarious intentions yes i, I would say um, we had Manager X, who yeah, would pad the till. Yes, and we we as a we as a company or as a, as a group, um, because Paul, you were the one counting the drawers at night, and me being a new employee and this day Manager X only working days, um, was robbing the tills, and uh, you know it'd be ten twenty dollars at a time, and. You were noticing oh, no. that, like... It was always even increments. So let's start that this manager had a background in accounting. Yes. Right? Now, logically, when anybody counts down a till, generally speaking, there's two ways to do it, additive or subtractive. The way that this manager would do it, which I thought was very strange, but I was still just a manager trainee, and she was an accountant. Um, they were an accountant. So I was like, I'll just follow what this person says was very odd because it was count the drawer up to the remaining amount your drawer reserve which is fifty dollars and then take the rest and count that and that's how you figure out if it's off or not now i always did it a little bit different i always did okay take the deposit out find out what's in the drawer and whatever's in the drawer that's less than fifty dollars is the difference yes and by doing it that way, I would be able to figure out, okay, well, we took a 10 as a 20, or we are off by 5 cents because of this. or And then you can go back and see the transactions and see the differences. I think that partially the way she taught me to do these things was constructive so that she could do what she did. The other thing that she taught me, which was very odd, was, oh, if there's a little extra, you just put it in this envelope in the safe. And I'm like, that's not good. Yeah, I remember that. Right? That the magic envelope that seemed to always have some change in it in the i still have a scar from that safe on my arm yeah that yeah, safe sucks yeah because they left the inside open with the batteries for the for the buttons oh my god how about this one the money that was in that safe was always communicated the safe combination was always someone holding up their hand and moving their thumb in the directions of the keypad <laughs> right that was how it was it was like some sacred sign language like i'm going to make hopscotch noises and i will bless you and this is how you open this safe which runs on double a's that have died and now you will slice your inner arm open on the portions within but <laughs> right because i i still like that scar never healed man it's been 20 years i think there's many scars from blockbuster that haven't healed but of them yeah that is my favorite so she would do these things now we would count down drawers in the middle of the day. So when one manager left, they would count down the drawers for the shift change and then they'd bring out other, they'd bring up the drawers and then put them back in the terminals and then the person would take over. And what got me was that it was consistently on the busiest days, which I worked, always on days where manager X was working and always on a select employee's drawer. So it was always, um, I don't know if I can mention his name, Jeff. Yeah, that's, yeah, fine. that's fine. Okay. Like, it was always Jeff, and Jeff wasn't profusely loved because he refused to ring. 
because he was a friend. Yeah, we, we've got a funny story to tell on a later podcast involving Jeff as well, so we just won't use his last name. That's okay. Well, I, and then don't forget Ed. I told you about that time I ran into Ed later. Yeah. 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 So you got to bring that up. But anyhow, so, like, it would be Jeff, and Jeff was, you know, in dire straits um, because of his performance in terms of dealing with ringing. And so she'd pick out the weakest link, and then she'd magically money would disappear from that drawer. Of course, we foiled the hell out of that plan because I knew what was going on, and I don't appreciate that. <laughs> so um, Jeff was a bit of a pet project for me because I knew he had the skills to do it. I just knew there was something stopping him from being able to do what he needed to do. And he was actually, he didn't like math. He was afraid of handling cash. Yes. And gee, I wonder why. Because maybe random money would disappear all the time. But it was always a solid bill. It was always a 10 or a 20, generally a 20. And it was always something that would come out of the, the drawer. And then we'd go and count down the drawer. It would be fine. She'd bring out the drawer to the new employee. And magically at the end of the night, it would be missing. Now, the yep. funny thing about her was that she would leave after counting the door and then come back. If you remember, it had to do with, like, picking up the kids. So, obviously, she would leave, duck the money in her car, come back. Magically, the money's missing. To the point where once I started rallying the, um, the wagons, shall we say, around Jeff, because I'm like, this kid's awesome. He just needs to get used to it. He needs to get over this fear. He has a lot of potential we're going to make this work. And he became a really, really good employee, if you remember. He was awesome for a while. Yeah. And, um, you know, things changed. But he was still really, really good when I was sitting there going, hey, dude, we're going to do this. We're going to make sure you're fine. Um, then she picked on the favorite employees because she knew they wouldn't be fired. Like you, Chris, if you remember. Oh, yes. Do you remember that day? Like, she walked out, handed you the drawer with the lock pad on the top, put it in the drawer, and I looked at you and like, do not ring anything <laughs> and yep. then she laughed and i'm like all right guys and i pulled the drone i legitimately said to the whole team like i'm taking bets on how much this drawer is under do i hear 10 do i hear 20 do i hear five do I hear... and we were at 20 if you remember mm-hmm. she was messing with your career and your livelihood like yeah I'm... it made that... me very angry well, I mean, given you have the ultimate potential anyways, like we all knew. I was like, this kid's going to be a fucking engineer. He's fine. But more importantly, like, these other kids, could you imagine? Like, you don't uh, – yeah, you at least were going to college. Blockbuster's not necessarily something you're going to throw on that resume, you know, if you decide to do something different. But I still do. Yes, you do. I know. And I, I, I finally let it go. I gave up the ghost a couple years ago. But, like – these other kids, they didn't have anything else to put in between. You know, like, for you, you can be like, well, I designed this thing, I engineered this thing, I got this, and then it's like, and I managed a blockbuster, which still, management, good for you, awesome. But, like, they'd have to be like, I have to avoid six years of my work because I got shit-canned because my drawer was... Because I got fucked with by a, right? by a shitty by manager. A, yeah. Exactly. And that bothered me. The fact that it was going to make me stay there late until, like, 3 a.m., fucking I remember me because i'd have to like i would count every single cent it wouldn't make sense i'd do it again i'd do it again i'd do it again until i was absolutely sure that there is no way in hell that there was an extra penny wedged under a floorboard somewhere <clears throat> because to me it's five cents is one thing a penny's another but twenty dollars is Jesus. is a solid amount and all of our rentals had spare change so there's no way yeah. in hell it would be a solid amount you know, I mean, years later when I worked for the movie theater, I used to play this fun game with the payroll manager, which was, let's see who forgot they were stealing from us. <laughs> and we would go through stacks of napkins at the front stand where they sell you popcorn and look for 20s. And we would find them. You know, we would find them a lot. But it was hilarious because she recognized, hey, Paul used to do this shit too. I mean, I... It just bothered me that that would constantly happen. Now, not only that, but, I mean, think about it. It makes me look like a fucking raving lunatic and an idiot because every time I count down the doors, something's off. Yep. 
It was it was a perfect storm. Right? It's a perfect storm because I was the weakest link. I was your part-time manager who only works, I don't know, when they rake in all the fucking profit and manage the goddamn chaos. Not that I'm trying to like stack myself up here. No, no but and then but and like, then it's it it's affecting Fridays and Saturday nights. So now you're already there late having to clean it, up. And it's not the like I don't place. have a few transactions to look through. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, let's look through all 240 people who came in and find out why we're twenty dollars over. Hey, everybody rented an odd amount. How is this a solid bill? It's and we it we were doing be. seven, eight, nine grand on a Friday and Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, off four dollar and twenty five cent dude, movie rentals. When I worked you know? for the big box store and I used to do deposits for them when I was training as an admin there. They didn't eclipse that shit by more than like two hundred bucks, just so you know. So it was yeah, kind of like I, I know, like stacks of cash. You know, it it was crazy. So, but 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 we we caught her. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be an asshole, and I'm not trying to sit there and say, hey. But like, I literally one day called Scott at three in the morning, woke his ass up, was like, I think we should put an extra twenty bucks in the till. Because I can guarantee you, it will disappear or it'll come up even. And he's like, oh, we can't do that. And after I left, that's exactly what you guys did. And you caught yep. her. And, like, I just can't believe that it went Well, because so it kept long. happening. Every it kept sin- happening. Well, like, now think about that. For me, I left the fucking business because of that. Among other yeah. things. But that was one of the things where I'm like, I can't fucking handle this anymore. Like, I, I don't want to play find that $20 bill that I know clearly walked out in someone's pocket. Yeah. You know, but I couldn't. No one believed me. You know, which is yep. fine. I mean, everybody believed me, but they couldn't consent to believing me. So Right. It was it was it was a weird time. I mean, I friggin proved it numerous times. And it was just very interesting to see that this person had no care for other people and was that petty. And then we had that right. theft, which may or may not have been. Related to Manic yeah. Max. So. But hey, you know, with, with, with darker things like that that were solved later on, we do have um, the, the best thing, which we, we hinted at earlier, which were people returning the wrong movies that didn't even necessarily belong to Blockbuster because Blockbuster did not have a porn section. No, it did we not. We had the Red Shoe Diaries. And people looked for the porn section and couldn't find it. Sometimes they asked yes. you to go back and see it. Is it in the? Is it in is that weird it? door? No, that's no, the. No, that's that's where, where we keep. That's our where we keep the old shit. Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon Snap machine. Yeah, like well, we don't. We didn't have Pokemon Snap, but um, you know, yes, we did. We had an old N sixty four Pokemon Snap machine oh, that didn't have we a system in it anymore. Did. But, we had we had N sixty fours. We had PlayStation twos. We had DVD players and VCSs, right? Or VCPs, yes, VCSs. Right? Call them. But um. But the, the movie, the movie uh, I was thinking of the most. And you, you could talk about other ones that happened, but do you remember the uh, the 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 existence of toilet treats? Oh, my God, yes! And that I only heard about via Steve because he unfortunately no, you were in the back room was with I? Steve. No, was it? Yeah. To- was that toilet treats? I thought that was. Um, I thought that was something far worse. No, we Steve was the one that witnessed the person um it was when uh oh. it was that other manager that was yeah. there with Karen. Um cuz this was before I worked for the company. Juanita, um, I think her name was. She was a sweetheart. She was great. No, there it was there was also the uh the African American guy. I never met him, I don't think. Oh, well so the story was some someone returned a, a VHS tape that was just had two numbers on the side like stick oh. on numbers. And, yes, and Steve um, called and said, and the, it looks the, like the manager left. and Steve, the manager and Steve, or at least the manager had watched it. Oh, and no, but, um, uh, see now, I heard something different, but continue. And the woman came in, and apparently she was really attractive, and said, "Oh, did you find my movie?" And I hope you didn't watch it. And he goes, "No, but now that I've seen you, I'm kind of wishing I did." <laughs> you know. So what I heard was that Steve opened a kid's movie, which makes it even worse, and found a unmarked VHS with just two numbers on the front side where the label used to go. This is a different one. Oh, okay. And but, but then keep going. he called the customer and said, hey, you have our copy of this. It looks like it's one of yours. And it's like, oh, oh, all right, I'll be right in. I'll be right in. Um, oh, wait a minute. What are the numbers? And he's like, uh, 54. And she's like, oh, I think I'm in that one. <laughs> you didn't watch it, did you? And he's like, no. 
and Steve sat there on someone else's homemade porn. And yep. I will say nothing else aside from the customer picked it up. But but um, then there was toilet treats. Toilet treats which was, was a crowning achievement in my sense of anarchy. Again, we should really remove my last name from this. But um, yeah, that was when I opened it up and I'm like, I don't know if this is gay or straight and this is fucked up. And Steve's like, I don't either. And I'm like, Steve, I'm going to place a bet with you. And he's like, what? I'm like, I don't care if I'm going to lose this bet. We're going to play with it. I'm like, we're going to have fun. He's like, what? I'm like, all right. So I bet you it's gay. He's like, I bet you it's straight. I'm like, let's go find out. So we went out back. And, we and you out. assholes left me up front <laughs> ringing the store. And then called me. Like and then called night. me with not, it on speakerphone. You're ruining it, man. So I put the th- we went out back. I put you on speakerphone. I dialed the front. And I held the receiver up to the speaker on the TV. <laughs> And I hit play. Yes, you did. And we watched you go like, just kind of. It was a like my neighbor Totoro kind of thing, or like a um, uh, uh, the scene in um, Spirited Away, when the girl steps on the creepy slug and just kind of straightens up, and you can just see all the hairs stand on end. And then you just very slowly put the receiver back down. And I'm pretty sure you heard Steve and I laughing from the back of the store at that point. Because I'm like, oh, absolutely, you jerks. It was hilarious, man. It was the best trick I've ever played in that place. My crowning achievements. And then we went back out and we're like, sorry, we're late. Sorry, we're here. And you're like, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It's funny. It was porn. It's great. But yes, Toilet Treats was definitely straight porn. And it was definitely something you got to hear some of the audio. Yeah, that, that audio sounded um, – it did sound like people life. having fun. <laughs> what was that? I think I scarred you for life there, man. It just – it didn't sound like they were enjoying themselves, No, it, it was dubbed. It was horrifically dubbed. There was like a five to ten minute delay. It was amazing. It was amazing that they could have possibly even gotten away with that kind of shit quality. It was great. So th- this is the part where we do our employee favorites, so I'll start with mine. Because it's you, Paul – because it's you, my employee favorite is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh my God! Good choice. Good choice. Because there is not a movie more that that fits kind of the entire kind of um, not sensitivities, but um how how our group of friends at that store was. That is like the movie made out of our geekism. You I know get, what I, I get mean? That. Like, I get that, but someone needs to have more unibrow. I think yes, and so and you and you and you and Sarah and I—that was like our happy place. We'd have our culinary adventures when we were in Lowell and North Reading, and we'd watch that movie. And for anyone listening to this that doesn't know what Scott Pilgrim versus the World is, it was a comic book that I think got made while they were making the movie. That Edgar Wright, the director of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and um, The World's End, and uh, most recently um, Baby Driver made and it's just bonkers and it's wonderful and if you've never seen it you just have to now uh paul if, if i was to walk up to the register with scott pilgrim versus the world what movie from the favorite section would you recommend to me oh man um well i'm gonna put you on the spot damn uh i mean if you're going for the comic book feel definitely deadpool uh there you go you see know, um that is definitely one that i would offer up as kind of a consolation prize if you're okay with it um if you happen to be very prudish or overly religious i would definitely recommend caligula oh see that so is that your employee favorite for tonight i i suppose it could be my employee favorite for tonight i mean anything by penthouse uh features that has ridiculously too much gratuitous everything now would um, this be the blockbuster edit of Caligula oh, or the no, um, like or the nc-17 like five minutes we're talking the nc-17 like why are my eyes bleeding just like the dvd cover butter up the ass all the way yeah yeah because i think that really is something you couldn't find at blockbuster it's definitely a cultural experience and it, it has no excuse it is gratuitous it is over the top and it doesn't actually um it doesn't request any answers. It does not expect answers. It's uh, it's something that um, no one really should ever watch, I think. It's no one really down should to. ever watch. It really is just all sorts of wrong. But it does hold a few world records. So It does. It does. It holds one of the scariest and most important world records, but that's for your viewers to look up. So Yeah. In in fact, everyone just watch Caligula and then send don't, us don't notes. Don't do that. Don't don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I guess it, then my pick from the employee favorite section to go along with Caligula would be Titus. Mm. 
Huh? Starring Titus... Anthony Hopkins and directed that, by Julie Taymor. That was fucking brilliant. Titus, yeah, Titus... was Shakespeare and I'm going to be an elitist asshole right now. Shakespeare was meant to be seen, not read. You can't Correct. read Shakespeare. You you just you no. 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 Leave that to the talent. They get to read it. They get to interpret it. Titus with Anthony Hopkins was a modernist. It was it was on the it was it was up there with like the satiricon. You know what I mean? It was it yes. was it was done in a way that was abstract. It you you've got a chessboard feel. You've got all of these other things. So, you know, you may not understand the complex language that's going on because it is really fucking heavy. I mean, it is heavy beyond belief in terms of the way that they're using the dialogue, but you still see and understand the emotions and the activities behind it. And that's why Shakespeare needs to be seen, not read. It needs to be in the round. It needs to be done right. And I think that Anthony Hopkins, especially in that movie, did it 100% right. I mean, even with the and whole, like, was... Napoleon fucking hat. I don't know what the hell you'd call that. Right, and that was that was the amazing thing with that movie, is it, you know, there were entire scenes that they shot them and built the sets as if they were being watched in the round. And they would even cut, pull back, and there'd be an audience, like, watching. It was it was such a trip. It's such a great movie. I managed to buy that on sale at Blockbuster when it came out on video, and I watched it so many times. And it it's funny because the language transcends the image, and I think that's very, very important because it really took it took hold of the medium. I think that when you look at the the cinematography spoke, and it spoke in complement to the language and the dialogue, in such a way that it bridged that gap. Because we don't we don't speak old English. I mean, if someone looks at you and goes uh, what's what's the uh, taming of the shrew? There's a line that you comfort me much. Yes. And when she says that, she does not mean that at all. She's saying basically, fuck you. Like yes. you're useless, and you can't communicate that through text. You can communicate that through action, and you can communicate that through body language and through inf- inflection, and. That's something that I think we've kind of lost. I agree. You know, in, in modern cinematography, you can you can supplant that. If you're really good at what you do, the image that you present can make that notion communicate properly. And I think that's what Titus did in a lot of ways. So Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Cool man. So those are those are a couple good recommendations. So with that I think I'll bring this episode of the uh, Talkbuster podcast to a close. All Thank you very much for joining me, Paul. No problem, man. Um, and, uh, you know, as always, you guys should check me out at my Patreon, patreon.com slash the Chippa, um, where you can find this podcast as well as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and the Creating Geeks podcast, which I do with my wife, Sarah. And you can find me on Twitter at, at the Chippa. Um, and as always, as we say, thank you for making it a Talkbuster night or day or whenever the hell you're listening to this. Have a great night. Well, one other thing, Chris, if you don't mind, but um, there's that slogan that we had in the back room. What was that? We own the world, you just rent here. Yes, we own the world, you just rent here. And and as uh, my wife sitting beside me just reminded me, I always like to end this with, please be kind, rewind.